0: lives are so harassed our time you know there's so many things that's drawing uh, and vying for our time but I know through this series that again we are going to be challenged and encouraged to remember the importance of prayer the remember who it is that we're praying to and return to prayer um, not for our benefit um, partly for God's but I know that in that communion with God man, my life is going to be transformed. So, we welcome Pastor Caleb to Amen. speak.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Pastor Leanne. Really appreciate that. Uh, it's great to move into a new series. I just We just really felt as we prayed and as we looked at what is God saying to us as a church right now? What does God uh, really need us to talk about? Um, we really sense that the, the Holy Spirit saying that prayer is just so important. So, Prayer's a funny thing because if you really nail it down to something really simple, it's essentially God's will and your will. So when we go into a time of prayer, which is to talk to God or relate to God, really it's your will and God's will. So your will is there. I want this. I would like that. God, could you do this for me? There's our will going all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'd like this, I'd like to feel like that, I'd like to have this friend, I'd like to go to this place, I want to have that money. Most of us live our life, 99% of that life is actually about getting your will done, getting your will achieved. You know, being a high performer, being someone who gets what they need to feel the right way. And then we go into prayer and what do we bump into? The will of God that's what prayer is about it's about finding his will Jesus said to pray like this your kingdom come your will be done your will be done your kingdom come that's what prayer is all about so really we find a struggle or a confrontation of wills in the place of prayer now if you're not a Christian or you're an atheist you don't believe in God then there is no God's will so that's cool Maybe if you're agnostic, so you think there may be something out there, but you're not really sure what it is, well, that's easy as well, because I don't know what the will of God is, if there even is a God. But for a lot of you sitting here, and for me as well, when we come to pray, or we come to think about God, we do believe there's a God, and therefore we believe that that God has something that He's trying to do, and wants to do in the world, in the church, in the city, in our lives. But are we going to obey that will? Do we want to listen to that will? Do we want to slow down enough to actually hear it? Prayer is essentially a struggle between the will of God and your will. And the Bible's very clear. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve both God and both what you want to get and the stuff you want to do. Only one is ever going to win. And somebody is going to submit. Is God going to submit to your will or are you going to submit to God's will? I know no, that's not a very, very nice word in modern times because no one wants to submit to anyone and we're all very anti-authority and anti-being told what to do and anti-team and anti-anti-anti but you come to the Kingdom of God, it's different. It is about His will, confronting your will and it's really a battle of the wills and somebody is going to submit. I love UFC, so mixed martial arts fighting. And my wife hates mixed martial arts fighting, because there's a lot of blood and a lot of men and women trying to beat each other up. It is like she comes into the room and goes, oh, you're watching that rubbish, and then walks away. So I apologize if you're one who thinks this is rubbish this morning. <laughs> uh, but back in 2018, there was one of the most famous fights ever. It was between Conor McGregor, who's there in a headlock, and Habib nur Magomedov. He's a Russian. So Conor the Notorious McGregor in UFC 229. It was the Russian versus the Irishman. It was one of the biggest fights of all UFC history. These two men were going to go into the octagon together. Conor McGregor was a current featherweight champion of the world, holding the belt of featherweight champion of the world. And they went into an octagon, a tiny little area to beat the crap out of each other. Someone was going to uh, enforce their will on another, and somebody was going to submit. It was built up as an epic fight for the ages. The whole world anticipated it, broke all records for money, pay-per-views. It was enormous. And in round four, Habib won the fight with what's called a crank, a crank choke. So essentially, he choked Conor, Conor McGregor almost to death until McGregor tapped out and the fight was over but it wasn't over does anyone remember this fight does anyone watch UFC what happened is that the fight actually spilled out of the octagon and what was one of the biggest fights in all of UFC history became the most infamous fight that has ever been recorded, as coaches from Habib's Russian crew came into the octagon and started throwing punches at McGregor after the fight was finished, people began jumping over the net and into the net, fighting in the crowd, fighting. So the fight wasn't done and McGregor was defending himself and it got really, really messy. Everyone was fined. There was all kinds of suspensions and all these kind of things went on. The purpose of prayer As submission, somebody's going to win to the will of the Father. But prayer is not so much like the UFC. It's a little bit more like the fights that we have in our house every night. Most evenings I come home from work and I get children, small children, a baby, a one-year-old crawling, a four-year-old running up the hall, everyone wants a play fight with daddy. Daddy, daddy, play fight, play fight, play fight, play fight time, play fight time, play fight time. The children wanna get on our bed and they wanna wrestle and they wanna fight. This is a little bit more what it's like to pray. If you pray like you're going into a UFC fight where you are gonna help God understand what you need, it's gonna end in a whole lot of blood. If you go into prayer thinking that you are going to make God give you all the scriptures that you can tag to your will so that you can do your thing and your business thing and your thing with your family and your way of doing Christianity affirmed by God, it's not going to end well. When my children come to play fight with me, they know that they will submit to my superior strength and intelligence as we wrestle on the bed. But interestingly, even though they know they will lose the tickle fight, they know that they will be submitted and potentially endure some pain from Daddy as I hold them down with my elbow and throw them over me onto the bed, they willingly run to the room, they willingly run to their father, they willingly come knowing that they will ultimately submit, that they're not stronger, that they're not wiser, they're not better, but they find joy in the battle of the wills. They find purpose in it. They enter the bedroom with joyous expectation, knowing that their will will not be done, but in the submission of their will and the play fight, they will actually have a great time. They will actually laugh. They actually relish in the fact that they're not strong enough, that they're not good enough, because they know that that's where joy is found. How is the state of your prayer life coming out of two years of lockdown? Where's your spiritual journey at? I don't know, because it's a secret place that you have with you and God. I don't know the content of your prayers and what you say and don't say. Not many people sit with me in a pastoral care session saying, this is what I prayed, this is how I pray. Yet one of my most important jobs and a privilege I have as a pastor is to try and help you understand the nature of God and teach you really how to pray. Who taught you to pray? How did you grow up praying? Did you get taught to kneel by your bed at night and pray your nightly prayers? Have you graduated from that kind of prayer? Because there's a lot more to prayer than just a child's prayer. Although the principle of coming to God as a naive child, to love Him and hear from Him should never be lost and something we lose too easily in our adult Christianity We're taught to pray to a saint, to pray to Mary, to pray using a prayer book, to pray to an ancestor, to help you in your prayers. Do you pray every day or do you pray rarely at all? Does it have a priority in your life? Do you start your week mapping out your calendar by where your time with God will fit and then arrange the rest of your week? Or is prayer shoved in a an exercise session or a, or a car trip or a, as your head is hitting the pillow, thank you God, I love you, look after me and help me get all the good stuff as you go off to sleep. I know one thing, all of us have had a great disruption in our prayer over the last couple of years and that's why I've called this series, Return to Prayer. Maybe you're a great prayer, let's go further, let's go deeper, let's find God in a new way in this season. Maybe you're not praying at all, well, why don't we return to prayer? and get back the priority of coming to the Lord. The disciples in Luke chapter 11 said to Jesus, hey Jesus, teach us how to pray. And then Jesus says, this is how you should pray, and gives us what we tend to call the Lord's Prayer, but Jesus never called the Lord's Prayer. It wasn't a prayer to be prayed, it was a template for how to pray, and how to come to God and we're going to dive into that over the next couple of weeks and then finally after today and next week you're going to be rid of me for a Sunday and Pastor Andrew is going to preach to us and we'll be like thank God Kayla's been up there every week for a long time we're due for some uh, we're due for someone different now in typical Jesus style he doesn't launch into well wow, thank goodness I've been waiting for you boys to ask let me give you the 10 points to prayer Jesus actually gives us two ways not to pray before he gives us one way to pray Two do nots, and one do this, or how to. The first do not is in Matthew 6, verse 5. Jesus says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to to, to pray standing in the synagogues or on the street corners, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. This is the performer prayer. This is where we pray because we're a high performer. It's very difficult for some people who consider themselves performers, consider themselves as cutting edge, who want to do great things, who who have goals and achieve goals. And we come to prayer as a performer. We're ready to perform before God. For some of us, this is how we, this is our religion. This is how we do God. This is how we do church. We come to prayer because we should. We come to prayer because this is what we have to do. We come to prayer because we've always prayed and it's part of the ritual. But where's the life? Where's the Spirit of God? Where's the listening and the obeying? We pray because we think that God will look at us and love us more because we've prayed. Really, we're just performing. Now, to confront you with the words of Jesus, not Pastor Kayla's words, so you leave me out of this, but he says, if you pray like this, you're a hypocrite. Ironically, the person who prays like this, their prayers are basically in vain because their reward is in the fact that they prayed those prayers and they feel good about their prayers, that's their reward, it's an earthly reward, it's an emotional reward, it's I feel good because I did the right thing, well good on you, that's your reward, but I know we want a bigger reward, a deeper reward, a spiritual reward, not just a personal payoff of spiritual success because I pray. Some people love prayer meetings, And praying every day and prayer meetings at church and prayer meetings here and prayer meetings there. But sometimes we can just fall into the performance of prayer. And our reward is great. You went to a whole bunch of prayer meetings, but God wants something more. Then Jesus goes on and says, the second do not. He says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans. For they think they will be heard by their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask the babbling's the doer prayer it's where we do stuff it's where we get in there and we we make it all happen and we tick that prayer off our list maybe we wake up in the morning we do our three and a half minute prayer bang it's done it's the doers the doers that are praying here we work hard we do the task of prayer we rush through them it doesn't matter if there's no quality in our prayers because we got that done this week This isn't prayer either. It's not about babbling, and it's not about being quick. It's definitely not about rushing. Is there anything about a relationship that is quick? God is relating to you in prayer, talking to you, dialoguing you. It takes time, patience. It's slow. You can't rush love. You can't rush deep spirituality. It's the doer. It's the goer. It's the disciplined. But the problem is we miss the love of the Father. My children run to me to say, let's have a play fight, Daddy, because it's not only about the fight, it's not only about the tickling, but it's about the time. It's really about the time. It's about the spending quality time together, doing something together. It's so important, particularly for young boys, to be able to wrestle with their dad constantly because it's giving them time, sun. And Father, and I've spoken to you before about all the scientific research benefits of delay gratification, all these things that come with play, it's powerful. But we miss the nature of God when we're the doer, we're playing doer prayers. Then Jesus said, this is the type of prayers you should pray. But when you pray, this is how you do it. Go into your room, close the door, arrr, poof, Probably wasn't like that in first century Palestine when Jesus was talking. It's probably more like find a corner in the house and then maybe draw a curtain. Or uh, like, was it it the, the, the Wesley's mother that she put her apron over the top of her head? Go into that little closet, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. If we're going to reclaim a daily prayer habit, if you are a Christian, even if your first day of being a Christian, you would understand that the very, very, very fundamental baby step of being a Christian is praying every day. This is a first step of being a Christian, is to pray every day, to have a daily prayer habit where you talk to God. The first principle is finding space. I'm going to give you four S's here. Finding space. Finding space to pray, and I don't mean physical space, I mean space in your calendar. Space amongst all of your, my will be done. All of your stuff to do. And I'm not criticizing your stuff to do because I, like you, have many responsibilities and many things to do. I'm not saying they're bad, but I'm saying there's a lot of them. And a lot of the things that we think are really important are actually not the important things, but I do understand that there is a lot of responsibilities that are very important. Find space. When you live from the divine center, I spoke to you a few weeks ago about Christ at the center, finding the divine center of your life. You begin your week, Monday morning, by looking at Tuesday, Wednesday, right through to Sunday, and the first things that go in the calendar... When am I going to pray? When am I going to spend time reading the Word of God? When am I going to go to church and worship with my church family? Maybe you have a Sabbath. Maybe you have a period of solitude. Maybe you've got a life group. Maybe you've got a mate that you have a coffee with and talk about God and work on things in your life. Living from the divine center with Christ as the center, Christ as the idol, Christ as everything that is meaningful to you means that that goes in the diary first and everything else can fit around that because guess what everything else you do even raising your children is going to pass <gasps> i said it oh my goodness family can't be the idol it can't jesus has to be the idol even parenting will pass even your family will move on to do other things but god will never disappear this is the rhythm the ritual That needs our attention. Jesus must be the idol that sits on the throne of our life. Jesus must be the idol that sits on the throne of our schedules and our to do lists and our priorities and our spending and our time. It's Jesus that must be there. It's finding this space. And guess what? No one knows about it. It's done in secret, it's all done in secret. No one knows how long you pray for. No one knows how deep you go. No one sees the quality of your worship. You get no human recognition. It's very hard for us postmodern people because everything we do is usually measured by how it impacts someone else or looks to someone else or comes up on a social media um, news feed. But everything about following Jesus is actually about doing the work in secret. No one knows. No one cares. No one needs to know. But God knows. And God is there. And He is with you. The second S is to find a spot. This is, if I could give you any secret today, it's this. If you can find a spot that works, this will save your prayer life. That place that you go, it must be silent and you must be able to have solitude, which means to be alone. Maybe for me at the moment, it's going into the backyard, onto my alfresco, sitting in a chair at 6.45am before the kids get up and I just sit there. I just breathe out all the junk, all the hurts, all the anxieties. I sit there for five minutes, ten minutes. This isn't how I've always prayed, but this is how I'm praying at the moment, and it's just silence. I just let all the crap go, all the pain go. Try not to get distracted by my iPhone, which has got the Soccer highlights from the games that were played last night, just there, just right on my phone. I can just watch that three-minute highlight and know the scores. It was hard this morning. I'm going to go home and watch Manchester United versus Watford. i watch the full game now because I managed to sacrifice the three-minute highlights this morning and pray. But it's right there. Your iPhone is killing your spiritual life. Your social media is killing your spiritual life. Your business, your career is killing our spiritual lives because they all suck, the emails are there, the notifications are there, the things to do, the mums are there trying to have five minutes of prayer, but I've got to do this, and I've got to get ready, and so-and-so's got to, little Johnny's got to get off to school. God knows. That's why He said, don't babble when you pray, and don't rush when you pray, because the Father knows what you need. He knows all those things. Prayer isn't about the things that need to be done. Find a spot. For some of you, you're going to have to get up off your butt, out of the house, put on your runners, I know it's a lot of effort, and just walk. Because your house is full of too many distractions, your kids are too distracting. If you're a parent, a great time to pray is at nine o'clock at night. Get the kids in bed, get your husband, your wife, and just go for a 20 minute walk. Be in silence and be in solitude. It doesn't need to be dramatic. Be in silence or solitude. The third thing you need for prayer is you need scripture. Scripture is essential to prayer because Scripture is the standard and the measure of what it means to be a Christian. You can't think about anything else. You can't pray about anything else. You can't go to anything else before you go to the Bible, the Word of God, because that creates a standard in your life. A ruler that says, this is how we live. This is how we think. This is who God is. It's Scripture that creates so much pain for me in my prayer time. I feel the crank hold of God on me through the Word of God, because the Scripture, it exposes my sin. It's like, Caleb, oh, you're rubbish here. Oh, you're useless there. Oh, you're falling over here. It's not someone saying that to me. It's not God saying that to me, but it's the Scripture going, man, I need a change. God, change me. That's where transformation comes from. And finally, speak, speak to God and listen. Speak, have a conversation and listen and obey the submission of my will to God's will. Matthew, he goes on to say in verse nine, this then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's go back to point one. The first thing that happens, just, just up back to point one, if that's all right, yeah. The first thing that happens when we pray, and I'm gonna unpack this more next week, is that we honor God, hallowed be your name. I sit in my alfresco, breathe out all the junk, and I just look to Him and say, I honor you, God. I love you, God. It's Him first. It's Him first. The minute you get Him in the right spot and you in the right spot, you're ready to pray. The minute it's His will be done and my will be submitted to your will, your will happen, God, and my will come into alignment with your will, then I'm ready to pray. Then I can say, with a clean heart and clean motives, I can say, your will be done, your kingdom come, your will be done. God's will starts to become clear to us in the place of prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. What else do you want as a Christian? What else could you possibly desire as a Christian, as a real follower of Jesus, apart from His will being done in your life? If you don't want this, then of course you don't have a prayer life. No one has a prayer life who actually wants God's will to be done, because your prayer life is the very antithesis of your will being done. If you want your stuff done and you wanna get your stuff and you wanna make your things happen, then prayer is not a very exciting prospect. Because God will be there going, hey, I love you. Hey, I'm a father. Hey, let's, my will is better for your life. Hey, I want you to flourish. But if you don't want those things, then prayer is very difficult. Because prayer just produces shame and guilt because I'm doing all this other stuff. Or prayer just produces annoyance and frustration because like, oh, I don't need to hear that stuff like this sermon this isn't very fun pastor golem but what else do you want as a follower of jesus but his will to be clear this is the gold and then thirdly we pray my will be clean so father is honored god's will is clear and my will is clean and we'll get into this next week but he cleans up your heart the biggest thing he wants to clean up is all the people that you're offended at that's why jesus says this is how you pray forgive and you know what he goes on to say he goes on to say if you don't forgive you won't be forgiven again please don't point your guns at me this is the words of jesus in prayer he cleans our hearts he cleans our motives he deals with our offenses remember i was telling you about the play fighting on the bed this is really the picture of god So if you had the picture of God, of Habib and McGregor in the ring and God choking you, then that's not really the father. He doesn't want to enforce his will on you like a UFC fighter, like an enemy trying to make you submit. What God does want is he wants you to wake up every day to run down the hallway and say, Daddy, 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 can we spend some time together? I want to submit to your will. I want to know your will. Let it be done in my life the apostle Paul picks this up in Ephesians 5 often a scripture that we hear at weddings verse 21 submit to one another out of reverence for Christ submission is all through the bible this is a powerful powerful principle right here in the church God says to us submit to one another hey you guys submit to these guys hey you guys submit to these guys it's called mutual submission We all submit to one another. How can we submit to one another in brotherly and sisterly love unless we go into the place of prayer and my will and your will. Okay, I submit, God, I want you to let your will be done. Out of that comes, hey, let's submit to one another. Let's work together. Let's help each other grow. And then Paul goes on to say, wives, submit to your husbands and husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church. It's the same in the marriage, it's the same in the family, it's the same in our friendships. If you're not married or don't have kids, it's the same in your friendships. The message of God is to submit to one another. To submit to another human being is incredibly difficult. This is one of those principles, you can't just throw in a sermon and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, I'm not doing bad there. This is hard. You need a good prayer life if you want to be able to show grace to another human being because human beings are annoying and people suck at times and they're very frustrating. Even the person that you love, your husband and your wife, they could be really difficult, let alone the people in church, let alone the people out in the world. Only in the place of prayer can you find a heart to to forgive those that have hurt you, to let all your pain go, the content of your prayer life, and as I bring this to a bit of a close this morning, I want to take communion around this. The content of your prayer reflects the challenges of God's will. Now, this is the kicker, everyone. This is my big hook. I'm not going to try and put it in there magically today. I'm just going to tell you, this is the big hook of the sermon. The content of your prayer reflects the challenge of God's will. Jesus comes to the tomb of Lazarus, right, in, in, in John what is it, Eleven, John 11, he comes to the tomb of Lazarus. Lazarus, his best friend, is dead. Verse 34, the shortest verse in the whole Bible, Jesus wept, two words. And then Jesus prays, doesn't he? He prays to the Father and says, look, I don't really need to pray out loud for my own sake, but I'm gonna pray out loud because everyone here needs to hear that prayer accomplishes a lot. So I'm praying, God, please raise Lazarus from the dead. And everyone hears the prayer. Guess what? Lazarus, after four days of being in the tomb, comes out. It's about a 20-second prayer, let's say, and Jesus raises someone from the dead. I would consider that challenging, but for Jesus, it wasn't so challenging. He had the faith, he believed, and it happened. Fast forward a little bit to the garden, to Gethsemane. The night before Jesus is to be betrayed, or the night Jesus was betrayed, He was going to be taken to the cross. He was going to be beaten. He was going to be crucified. He was going to be stripped naked. The Son of God was going to be humiliated and brutally murdered in the most torturous conception of death that the Romans have been able to come up with. Jesus spends how long praying? Not 20 seconds. Not 20 minutes. Not two hours. Jesus spends the entire night in prayer. And here's the words of Jesus, verbatim, verbatim. This is what Jesus says. He says, my father, there it is, pray to your father is in heaven. My father, if it is possible, this is the Lord's prayer, but in Jesus' words at the moment with the challenge he was facing, if it is possible, may this cup, so the cup of dying on the cross, may it pass from me, yet not I, not as I will, but as you will. Not my will, but your will. The content, the quality, the time you spend in prayer is directly weighted with the challenge of God's will on your life. If you wanna lay your life down for Jesus and see the destiny flow through you and great things happen for the kingdom of God, if you wanna follow him with passion, with discipline, with devotion in a way that affects the people in your life group, affects your children that you're raising, that you wanna, you want your children to follow Jesus. If you wanna have a faith that your children grow up and go, man, I wanna have faith like mom and dad, then you're gonna spend nights praying You're going to spend hours praying because God's will comes to you and man, it's big. I have four children put in my care that how I raise them, how I teach them the Bible, how I teach them to pray will directly affect their chances of having a meaningful adult relationship with God. I know it's not all up to me. They will make decisions. God will have to move in their life but I will be the greatest, along with my wife, the greatest influence on their life, whether they're gonna follow Jesus or not. Can I afford to throw up 20 second prayers? Can I afford to pray once or twice a week? Or does God's will on my life to raise children, to give them the best chance of following him, what does that require of me? It requires me to get on my knees. It requires me to deal with my sin. It requires me to look at my schedule and how I spend my money. It requires for me to take stock of my entire life and my prayer life, being at the center of that life, that I'm giving the time to God and spending hours and hours on my knees because that's going to give my children a great chance. It's not the devotions you do with your kids that they'll follow Jesus later on. Those are great things and powerful and needed, It is how you follow Jesus. Your children will not follow what you tell them to follow. They'll follow how you follow. So make church on a Sunday morning negotiable at your own peril. See how your kids go later on. I think that that's risky. Make your prayer life, well, you know, I'll get to that God and you know I've got a good heart. He does and God's not here to condemn you. He would love it if you give him one minute a day, that would be enough. And if you're a mum with a newborn baby and you get a three and a half minute prayer while you're breastfeeding here and there, that's okay because that's the season of life you're in. But if you're in a position where you can take time to follow God properly and give Him that next level, that next level of time to really go deep with Him, then you'll find that the challenge of God's will on your life will influence the quality and the content of what you pray Lord, we come this morning, we hold in our hands this biscuit and this blood. We just close our eyes, Lord God, right now. And we just breathe out. Just this morning, I just want everyone just to breathe out all of the pressure, condemnation, feelings, to-do lists, And as you're breathing out, I just want you to focus on the biscuit and on the blood. I want you to focus on Jesus. These symbols you hold in your hands of His work on the cross. This is called a centering prayer. You're just centering on communion. You're just centering on the work of Jesus Christ. And I just want you to let everything else just go. Distractions are going to come at you immediately questions about the sermon, considerations of what you need to do after church. Take those thoughts as they come and just put them to the side. I just want you to center on the Father's will, center on the bread and the drink this morning. Just spend a moment. This is just meditating on the word of God, meditating on the person of Jesus Christ key element to prayer is the ability to meditate to be silent to be focused we live in a world of distraction but prayer focuses us not on our will but on his will not on our pleasure but on the pleasure of following Jesus A challenge for you this week is to every day take time every day just to pray a centering prayer just to practice a centering prayer and we're going to do it right now so I'm going to this is going to be a uh, the first one for the week you can tick off Sunday a centering prayer if you know anything about contemplative prayer you may not be a contemplative prayer master but that's okay I just want to introduce you maybe this week to centering prayer Centering means to focus your attention, to focus your attention, to let go of all distraction. And the way that you do it is that you choose a sacred word and you just say it over and over and over. You choose a sacred word, say it over and over and over. So before we take communion this morning, I just want us to have the same sacred word together. You can find your own during the week. It might be God. It might be I love you. It might be Jesus. Whatever the Holy Ghost is saying to you, you'll know what to say. But this morning, I want you to just say, your will be done. That's what our sermon's been about. It seems fitting. I just want you to repeat it 50 times, just right now, about 50 times. You don't need to go and count it all. Just say it, just in a hushed tone, a quiet voice, your will be done. Let that center you on God this morning. Your will be done. I'll give you a minute, to say it 50 times and let it center your attention. Idolize God this morning. Put Him first this morning. Your will be done. Keep fighting off those distractions. Don't let your mind wander. It's very difficult. If you're not used to meditating or you're not used to focusing on the Father in heaven, it's very difficult. That's why they call these things spiritual practices. Prayer is practice. You've got to do it over and over again. So keep use the Word to focus you. Your will be done. Look into the eyes of Jesus. Look into the heart of the Father. Your will be done. Your will be done. The Holy Ghost will teach you what that means. What does that mean for you right now? Your will be done. Your will be done. God, we want nothing else than to live from the center of your will. Lord, we are all sitting here this morning knowing that it's really difficult to live from the center of your will. Our sinful desires that constantly work against having you at the center. All of the responsibilities and the distractions and the hurts and the pains and the challenges, they all seek to poison our prayer life. Jesus, we're about to take your body and your blood, remembering that you literally said, not my will, but your will be done before you went and were broken and shed your blood for us. The very cusp of the cross was you submitting your will to the Father's will in the place of prayer, a solitary place, a dark place up on the mountain of olives, a quiet place. You drew the curtain. You went into your room, so to speak. You cried out to the Father in heaven, and this is what we live after. We model on you, Lord God. So we take the bread this morning, just feel free to take that. Knowing that you're not asking us to do anything that you did not live yourself, Jesus. Lord, as we take the blood These moments, these scriptures, Lord God, they do, they expose our hearts, our frailties. Hence the reason we need your blood. None of us are perfect. None of us will be perfect. None of us are ever gonna be the greatest prayers on the face of the earth. But that doesn't matter because your blood means we can pray. Your blood has opened the way up to the Father that we can. Before you shed your blood, we couldn't even sit on our porches. We couldn't even walk at night and say our Father who is in heaven, but now we can because of your blood. So we just drink this together this morning? In your mighty name, amen. I don't usually repeat myself, but I just really want to emphasize this this morning. Every week, we'll try to give you a practice for the week. We'll try and give you an application. This is always in the newsletter. And if you've noticed last week, those of you who are very attentive I always put a go deeper in there as well. So if you wanna do this and you wanna go deeper, there's another little challenge in there this week. And I wanna give you things in there and wanna give you applications every week to help you with your discipleship, to help you go another step further because a sermon is meaningless at the end of the day. It's just words. What matters is action, what matters is bearing fruit, what matters is what we do during the week. And this may be new for you to the Centering Prayer, but it's so powerful Every day, just to meditate and center on God. You've just prayed just then. That was a great little prayer time. Well done. Communion, centering prayer, your will be done. Your will be done. If you're just new to prayer, if you're not a Christian yet, well done. You just prayed. That's what it means to pray. Just to sit your Father in heaven, just to speak, your will be done. To listen, to speak, to listen, to speak. It's how simple it is to pray. Pray. Thanks, Lynn.
0: Thanks, Caleb, for just refocusing us, you know, on on prayer and and to take it another step deeper, further. So we're going to officially close our service right now. We hope that you have encountered the love of God, the power of God, encountered Jesus today. And um, for some of you, you may want to remain where you are and just contemplate Jesus more. If you're new, we'd love to pray with you out the front. If you have a prayer request, someone would love to pray with you and stand alongside of you. For everyone else, please hang around for a coffee and catch up with someone. Maybe someone new who you haven't met before. Grab your kids and have a great week. Thank you.